Hey everyone, so I wanted to talk about um, how we can live with many different realities and um, at, uh, you know we don't know necessarily that we're living with very different realities. Um, I've certainly seen from my own um, situation uh, um, that I could, even though it was completely submerged and unseen, um, and that's why we have, you know, the shadow in all of us, right? We carry a piece of us that is unseen, that we don't, we can't acknowledge because it happened too early and it was too painful, it was too dangerous, it was too fearful. But um, if you address trauma through plant medicines, meditation, whatever, your vehicle of choice and it becomes like a scrubbing brush of that shadow or the light that you know illuminates it um, it's pretty incredible how we can live in vastly different realities in other words um, that we can be in this straight up go to work brush your teeth Starbuck reality right of going along with, you know, the regular humdrum of life in a kind of very practical way. And at the same time, we can harbor a huge, vast consonant of demons and darkness and general shit. I mean, really, this massive sewage pit of hell. Um, that it can be buried so deeply within us and that it can, we can live with it simultaneous with being, you know, what apparently, you know, is a normal person is, oh, I would say normal, I mean, you know, living a pretty standard life is incredible. Um, the more you uh, inquire, the more you cleanse, the more you go into it, either with plant medicines or through meditation or whatever your vehicle. Um, it surfaces. It, you, you, you see this completely unconventional, crazy, horrific world, uh, which is abundant with all sorts of, you know, microbial tissue. No, um, you know, dark forces and dark energies. And... It's pretty amazing, and, and you can begin to see how much they have a hold on your life. Um, you know where this happens. I have no idea. You know, you know where is it in the universe? I have no idea. But we can sustain two very, very disparate um, conditions within us. Hold it, even, and and then, you know, have no access to it at all. I certainly had no access to this whole population of um, pretty dark entities and stories and memories and whatever. So we do, we, we have a vault within us, we all do, that carries these unseen, unprocessed, you know, for the most part, terrifying things. That's why we put them in the dark, because they're too terrifying to feel, to see, to understand. And our little brains just can't, you know, process or understand or, you know, are terrified, but, and, and rightly so. So that's pretty shocking. It's absolutely shocking that we can um, walk around with so much festering, unseen stuff or knowledge. Um, and... Another part of the trauma is that we can, you know, um, adulate and reinvent and recompose very awful people and, you know, make them viable, make them normal. It really is a testament to the power of our need to survive and the power of... Um, our willingness to 
you know, become adjuncts or almost like cult-like believers in this darkness and that we can actually cut off the truth. I mean, I am still in staggering shock by the fact that I could absolutely refuse the horror. I mean, and actually convert it into normal. I mean, staggeringly crappy people. Yeah, I mean, I say crappy, I mean abusive people. I mean, they, you know, they sell your child to be sexually abused. And I could still see them as, um, I could still convert them into some kind of holier-than-thou human beings. I mean, it's just stunning. And if you look at your own trauma, and you might have been right up in it, in the face of it, and perhaps not have hit it, so you, you get to see the full paradigm of darkness. But I saw it and converted it. And if you, look at, if you trace back your own trauma, then the more you, you go in, obviously, the, the, the bigger the landscape. It's almost like you're a drone, you know, looking down. You can really see a, a landscape, a whole continent that you, you know, you can't see it when you're on the ground and you're around it all. But, you know, this is the thing about the plant medicines and meditation and whatever vehicle you use to kind of explode your way in, the ultimate, you know, the gift is the perspective. Like you are literally like a drone above, you know, an African landscape where you see the zebras running and the elephants you know, water, at the watering pool and the lions and the hedge in the, you know, the grass, the tall grass. I mean, you just see the whole narrative of, of what happened. And um, so you kind of, um, sorry, that was my bell. Um, you kind of get this perspective. It really is, you know, very powerful. Because, you know, originally, if you've, if you've been traumatized, you're deeply, you know, in the spin-dry cycle, you're on the savannah, you can't see, you know, beyond your three feet or whatever. And it, you're in the fog, and you're just in it. You can't see why it's happening. You don't see the oranges, the oranges, the origins of it. You're just in it. And this is the thing about plant medicines. It, it literally is like, opens up the perspective more and more and more. It's like it knocks down the whole wall of this landscape. And instead of being in a little tiny trench in the landscape, now you're full on, in, you know, on a drone looking down with a huge aerial view of everything. And you can finally begin to make sense of it all. And when I think, and I was thinking about it yesterday, it was like, um, here you are, if, if I look back, um, to, it, it really, again, it makes, it's just this, this incredibly, it's like it, give, it gives you the, um, you know, the, the shortened notes, right, of your whole narrative, you know, what are those notes, they're the, the abbreviated notes. And so, it's, it's almost like, and the more you know, so the more you get to see through the cleansing, the more you leave. So I would say before meditation ayahuasca, I was, let's say, deep into, like just hidden, like just completely, you know, somebody had just, you know, dropped 10 tons of tar, right, on me as a little morsel. And I was just stuck under, you know, tar. Or I was just, if we talk about it energetically, I was just, I'd been thrown on the roundabout on some crazy um, roller coaster, and I just going. I was just on the roller coaster in complete terror all the time. I couldn't see anything. So the meditation slowed down the roller coaster. So the meditation allowed for just the slowing down of not being in tremendous trauma. I mean, and terror and anxiety. I mean, as a child, I was just always on the verge of death. I was just all I could think about was, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Um, and 
Um, so, and then sort of, you know, meditation slowed everything down, and then there was a huge awakening. You know, it's kind of like another a, a wall, walls got torn down, and then ayahuasca, more walls got torn down, and the landscape just opened up more and more so I could, because, you know, when you're terrified, you're, you're in this crouched camouflage, you know, pretzeled up position where you're just, you know, waiting for shit to happen and waiting for the, you know, it's like being a tiny animal with this massive predator on the landscape that's going to like basically step on you at any moment, right? You're just in crouched terror, oh fuck mode, right? How am I going to stop this thing from crushing me and eating me or whatever it's doing to you? And so, and then, you know, ayahuasca was just like, okay, you know, let's get to it. Let's open up everything and let's give you this, you know, the more cleansing, this aerial landscape, this aerial viewing so you can fully see, you know, as I said before, you know, the, the elephants water and the watering hole, you know, the lions over there and, you know, under, in the grass and the savanna. You know the, the zebras running it. It just it just gives you this massive aerial view of your life. You finally get to understand it on these different levels. You know, for me, when I after I did ayahuasca the first time, I had literally thousands of Indians. I was they were all on horses, and I wasn't a horse, which is insane to say. And we were kind of galloping to the past. It was insane, and then I'd suddenly stop. This horse would just stop, and then images and memories would just you know be brought to my attention and. There were like, you know, full head-on shots of people who were in my life who I'd been, you know, had abused me. I, I got like full, like almost like a 360 house tour of places that I went to. It was just insane. It's like there's no, nothing is static, nothing dies. There's no memory that just disappears. It's all kept somewhere in your system. And especially if there are places where things have been left unprocessed and terror, etc. So as I look back and as I sort of, if, and you, the thing is to really, you know, as you open up, as you, you, you are literally a Sherlock Holmes. You begin to put the pieces together. It begins, it begins to be understandable. And as, because the characters are usually the same, you know, the trauma is committed usually by one person, might be two or three, I don't know. I mean, but for the most part, it's, you know, someone that you know, um, or someone that you, you know, that if it, they do it repeatedly, if, it's, if there's, you know, neglect or whatever, or lack of love, or t it usually tends to be, you know, a few, you know, one or two people. Um, but again, I don't know, it's just, you know, my, my observation. Um, so when I, I, you know, when you, when you follow the trajectory back in this kind of like, it's imagining like there's a thousand pieces of a puzzle and they're all a mess, you know, in your system. and. And the ayahuasca begins to put the puzzle back together. I suppose that's how I could talk about it. That's how it worked for me. I was so removed from seeing everything because it was so terrifying. I just It's like you shut your eyes, you put like an ostrich, you just put your head in the ground and hopefully things will go away even though they keep capping because there's nothing you can do about it. Think about it. If you're a two, three, four, five-year-old, there's nothing you can do. There is nothing. You can hide under the bed, you know, you, but you can't, challenge them you're they're bigger than you right so you have to deal with that if you've had any kind of trauma first of all enormous love enormous compassion but remember your little tiny self has got to find a strategy for survival and mine was okay i'm gonna i'm gonna black out and agree and disappear and you know that was my strategy so as i look back and I, if you look at the trajectory of your life, it was like I arrived and it was like, boom, I was, you know, sent out to be sexually abused. So that I just blacked out. I, I kind of just jumped off the ship, so to speak. I arrived and just jumped off the ship. And I was just, it, it, it drowned. I was like, I just blacked it out. I don't know where I went, but I just, I, I, I usually have, a, I've had this very powerful vision of being the bottom of the ocean looking up, like in the dark. So my whole soul, and I saw it in one of the first ceremonies, it was just, it just said, I'm out of here. Can't deal with this. And I let them, in a way, 
with all the sexual abuse and all the horror that was done, I let them take over, let's put it that way, right? So what did you do? Did you let them, the person, the things, the situations, the fear, the, the, the you know, the, in the emotional terror of it, did it ha how did it affect you, right? So I think that's one of the first things. You know, so for me, I just jumped off the ship. I just blacked out. I disappeared. So that then, they were to take. They took full advantage of that, and so I wasn't here. My mother always said, "Omri, oh, you're just in the clouds." No, I just checked out because of what was going on. So I checked out. My part of my brain just checked out, right? And and at some point, and I don't know when. I remember. Specifically, when there was one very big, generous gesture, you know, I was given a stainless steel tennis racket. I must have been like eight or nine, I don't know, ten perhaps. Um, so at some point, I kind of surfaced. I mean, I didn't completely come up, but somehow at some point, when I had some online consciousness or something, or I wasn't just a puppet and I wasn't just blanked out, that one gesture, and perhaps it was also mixed in with, you know, God knows, religious stuff and whatever, at some point I started to reconvert them, right? So I'd gone from just disappearing completely and just drowning after the first sexual abuse and then consequent stuff that happened and blacking out, etc. And, you know, if there's any kind of abuse, there's a contract that's made, you know, between you and the predator. And I had made a contract. I didn't know I made a contract. I was like two or one. I've no idea. I don't, you don't make contracts. But somehow my system, this contract was made that I was, you know, to, to protect this person, keep that secret, allow that to happen, that it was okay. And, in, you know, and then I just blacked out. So this one gesture, around eight or seven, I don't remember when it was. I don't remember very much was I got the stainless steel tennis racket. I love to play tennis. And it was, a, you know, for our family, it was a big gift. It was a big thing to do. You know, no one had stainless steel tennis rackets at the time. I mean, this was many millions of years ago in the dinosaur age. Everybody had wooden tennis rackets. And I got the Slazenger racket and it was like, somehow at that point or something where I saw a gesture of actual something, kindness or some, somehow. So at that point I started re- cooking them. I surfaced, I surfaced, or part of me did, and then I started to invent a story about them. And my relationship to them and my role in that family. So again, it could be very different to you. But if you've had trauma, you're going to have to build a story because you have very few, you know, you have a few lemons, right? So you're going to build some kind of framework in which you coexist with them if you can't leave or you can't run away or you can't whatever or you don't do other things like self-harm and all that. that also is a strategy but if you haven't done that and you've you've built a story so mine was okay here's a gesture okay in reality they're doing something which is quite unheard of in this you know environment which is pretty cruel and horrible wow they must be nice people right and so this constant pressure to do well at school, which was, you know, this kind of horrific BDI judgmental thing, I converted into, well, I have to do well because I need to save them. Now, um, so they only did all of this because, you know, they're victims, you know. And so therefore they're not responsible for the abuse. You see, this is incredible how the brain of a child works. You don't want to blame them. So I'm not going to blame them. I'm going to convert them into people that need to be saved, which is why I need to do really well at school. And that's my mission in life is I need to save them. You know, I need to, they think they're nothing, but I'm going to make them into something. Right there. So right there is the promo campaign, right? Whatever your pitch is, whatever your resolution of trauma, and it's a kind of, a place in your brain where you resolve the horror to make it okay, you know, and, you know, she didn't love me because of X or, and so I've, and, you know, there's this equation 
to, to protect them, to make the trauma okay, to help you survive, and to have, make you have a connection with them, right? Because the big, biggest fear is, I'll drown, I'll, I'll be left, to, you know, I'll be thrown out of the community, you know, I won't have parents, I'll die, I have no protection, I'm alone. So, and they know this. So whoever is abusing you, which is, I mean, horrific, if, if an adult abuses a child, anyway, physically, emo, you know, emotionally, sexually, whatever, it's the biggest crime of all because they know. Don't ever tell me someone doesn't know. They know. Everybody knows exactly what they're doing. No adult doesn't know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing, which is why they're doing it. So you, as a child, have to resolve the contradiction somehow. You have no protection. You're vulnerable. You're powerless. You're tiny. You're innocent. You're sweet. You're beautiful. You're a piece of divinity. And now you have this piece of shit that has, you know, done some horrible thing to you or, and you know, I have no qualms. I'm unapologetic about that because to me it's shitty, right? Um, that comes in and does this horror to you. Now you have to reconcile. So first of all, you're scared of monsters, number one, but now the actual person that's looking after you is a monster. That is an, uh, it's an irreconcilable challenge that you have with you. So, so I, well, how I solved it was, Okay, I blacked out. I drowned when the first sexual abuse thing happened and the consequent ones, whatever. I just blacked out. At some point, and, you know, I was being made fun of and laughed at. They were horrible fucking people. And then at some point, a gesture was made. I don't know why it was made. I have no... Because I'm sorry, I was being a loyal soldier. I have no idea. But at some point, this big gesture was made and then suddenly I surfaced. And there was like, okay, now I can... I'm going to build a story. I'm going to resolve this impossible equation by saying that I didn't know anything had happened. I had no consciousness of it. But somewhere in my system, it was like, okay, it's not them. You know, there must be, there's something wrong with them. They don't, they don't really know what they're doing. They didn't, if they did it, they didn't mean to do it because parents wouldn't do that to a child, would they? Right? Kind of thing. They didn't mean to do it. So, oh, they need to be saved, and they're victims, and why he pushes me so hard to, be, to do well at school and screams at me and basically makes me feel like shit is because I've been given this incredible, you know, honor of being the one to save them. It's insane. But it was my survival, and we all have a survival mechanism. If it's an irreconcilable situation, if it's an impossible and is impossible because you have no power and you are tiny and you're sweet and you're innocent and you're terrified and confused and these horrible fucking people are coming at you. Right? So, and so then I was off. Right? So, I drowned. I surfaced with a story. Right? And it worked. You know, I, I need to be anorexic. Oh, I, do, I have to go through all these things because really... I'm the one that's going to save them. I've been given this honor, again, because they were always on me because I was really being their food ticket, both as being sexually abused and then with the terror of not doing well and the, the fear and, you know, everything. It was just so, so I had to build, I had to make them nice, right? I couldn't have, I couldn't be living with satanic evil people, right? You can't as a child, they, they can't be that. Children can, will not accept the parents as horrific devices of horror. That's a terrible... But anyway, you know what I'm saying, right? So I reinvented them. And the reinvention led me to be the one that had to save them. That, so I couldn't fail, right? I had to balloon into everything they weren't to make them feel good about who they were. Because somewhere in my mind was that they don't feel good about themselves. So I literally gave up my whole life. And my whole mission was I'm going to become what they want. I didn't decide that. I didn't make that decision. I had no choice. You have no choice. There are no choices in trauma. None whatsoever. All you can do is figure out a strategy to make 
an absolutely unbearable situation, bearable. Now I had an extra magic wand that kept elevating them. So it wasn't enough. It had to make them into kings and queens and the whole shit. Like I literally had to put them on pedestals to make this shit work because they were so dark and horrid. So again, the bigger the front, the bigger the back, the bigger the back, the bigger the front, right? So now I was on a roll. I was sort of, you know, galloping, you know, to do everything. I was going to get to Cambridge. I was, and of course I didn't get into Cambridge. I was, and then I came to the States. And I was going to do this. And it was all like, I'm going to reach this destination. And when I finally save them, I can get off this fucking horse and, you know, go off and, I don't know, play tennis or something. I don't know. But there was a mission, you know, in doing architecture. And, and it, was, I, it was all around making them feel good. Fulfilling all their shit, all their unclaimed shit, and all the things that basically were pushed upon me for them, you know, by them. So I, you know, you're stolen. If you're in trauma, you're just—it's—it's it's a stealing. It's a soul stealing, really. It's just that they call it in Shipibo a susto, which is the terror. Until you know, marry the right—the whole thing. I built the story they wanted of themselves. I didn't want that story. I had no. But everything was always just like pushed off the table if I ever had, you know, a version of what I wanted. It was like, no, that's not happening, right? And I couldn't push against it because I now embedded myself as a character in this story, in this narrative that was really fueled by pure fucking terror. I didn't know that, right? And so, okay, so I'm galloping and becoming and trying to, you know, make up the person that's going to, be what they want and save them, make them feel good. And then finally, you know, you will be king and I will be free. I'd finally become the identity that you wanted and you're going to be fully satiated and I would be able to bugger off, which of course, the hungry ghost, it's never going to be full. There's never enough. It's, you know, you can't be a big enough mogul or movie star. It's just, it would never, right. And I, and I, I never got anywhere even close, by the way in my little tiny kind of place, right? And then I ran full head on, you know, as if it's almost like running and you're looking behind, you're always on the run, you're always looking behind to see if, you know, they're looking and they're always looking, right, to see, to make sure that you're doing what they want. And then, and then I married someone, again, based on pure terror and, you know, this whole notion that I had to make them feel good and make them into someone and blah, blah, blah. And then it just basically collapsed. Right? So I ran from the darkness into the darkness, basically. So I was actually running, because if you're manufactured and if you're, if you're made in hell, and I was made in hell, um, then you know hell, even though you've got it submerged. And so when I actually, again, surfaced from hell when I was eight or nine, I then reinvented a story around hell. But I was still in hell. It was still the same people, right? But I was, I had now kind of resolved it intellectually. I'd resolved it as an equation. I'd resolved them. I was able to, so if all my feelings were like, this is all fucking wrong, I can't fucking stand them, what's going on? There was another part of me going, okay, I've got to fix this. I remember distinctly in my living, in my living, in my bedroom in England going to my, it's just literally sort of, my brain just lit up like a neon light one day. It just said, they don't like me for who I am. They don't want me. They don't, they, basically they don't like me for who I am. And it was like, okay, I have to make this work, right? I have to make this work. They weren't interested in me. Of course they're not. They just, you know, used everybody to their own ends to satisfy the, the theater of their own life. So, so when I reinvented them, I re kind of composed them I, to be, so I could fit into, so my life kind of would make sense in the midst of this horror. I would kind of like polish them and so that my, my, my life had, had a reason. I was, you know, and it had, it was connected to them and, 
it was all very into very complicated and interwoven with them right so I made them you know aquatically is not really the word but as an equation that would work but of course it was all wrong I was never facing the fact that I was everything was coming from pure terror and sexual abuse and so when finally it kind of blew up in a this divorce which again was populated by the most evil conniving demonic bunch of people lawyers and ju it was just horrific it was just like a it was like a Halloween ball of evil really coming from me every angle it and I thought I've got to figure this shit out it was like okay they showed up all right I was still in the dark I had always been in the dark but I somehow in my brain I tried to make the darkness work first of all I refused it because I blacked out early on and then when I surfaced I reconfigured it all to make it work and desperately made myself a character in that scenario that had a reason to be in that scenario. And, but all of my moves and all of my action would definitely would end, you know, bring me back exactly to where I was. In the dark, I would find the same people, the same entities of darkness. And so I ended up married to one. No shade on them, but essentially it was another piece of the same puzzle. And then in the, in the law, legal system, again, it was just populated by vultures and these, you know, these entities that just wanted destruction, so to speak. So it was only after all of that that the universe, I just was like, okay, I have to, why? Why? And now, if you look in retrospect, I mean, I can look now... Having been having done meditation for twelve years, I always go for five, and I, you know, she's kind of. I've been, I've been kind of, literally, my head's been pushed up into the truth. Like, you know, I can't avoid the truth. I've seen more. You know, you don't want to see the kind of shit I've seen. I realized that it was all dark. The difference was that I blacked it out. And that I found a way of surviving by reimagining, reinventing a story. I mean, and that must have been a lot of work because if you're in trauma, you have to, you know, if there's a, a dinosaur, if there's like a, you know, a monster in front of you, and every day you're going to make that monster into a dove, that's, that's tough. I mean, you've constantly got to make, you've got to look for the little signs of doveness of someone, right? But it, it had to happen. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, face the fact that this was all dark because then the, I would be like, what the fuck? You know, I'm not going to survive here. So it's a testament to the ingenuity of evolution, to the ingenuity of our the ability for us to survive. And um, some don't, you know, some, I just reinvented them and, and made it work, even though it was all wrong. Some people don't, unfortunately, they, you know, I could have easily ended up with a heroin needle in my arm under a bridge somewhere because I, 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 it, it would have been impossible to, you know, um, see your parent as the one that sends you out to be sexually abused or the parent that hits you or the parent that neglects you, I, you know. I mean, my mother is still out to lunch. She doesn't know, you know, she's still in La La Land, does not, didn't see anything supposedly happen. I mean, it's just insane, right? They too are in denial of what the truth is. But, you know, you know, again, as we get this aerial perspective, this kind of this perspective from this drone, really, is we really begin, this is the incredible power of these medicines, is it really shows you everything. And even to this day, I don't really want to know it, right? You don't want to believe that the truth of your life <clears throat> is that you were literally dumped in hell. 
And I still can't believe that I just, I didn't challenge them. Well, I couldn't because it was so overwhelming that as a child, as a little toddler, that it just, it's just, it's, it's, it's impossible. I just couldn't make my own parents demons. No child does, even though the parent is torturing them and putting them in a cage and hurting them. And they, they, they blame themselves versus the parents, right? So I was completely shut down and, and I had disappeared. I mean, my soul had gone, which is why in one of the first ayahuasca ceremonies, she actually located my soul, my little girl, at the moment that the abuse happened. Just like, it's almost like the Big Bang, a few minutes before the Big Bang. That's how I was like, a few minutes before it happened. And this, all this excursion, all of this journey, this pilgrimage into the seeing of it started the moment she illuminated that little soul, that little girl. From that moment on, all she's been doing is, you know, wiping clean, basically illuminating every room that was, you know, closed off in my, psych you know, my psychic mansion, so to speak. So all of it was bad, but at some point, you know, instead of seeing it as bad, I just recomposed it. And it was like the sandcastle with the wave. Every day this wave would come up, you know, something would happen, it'd be awful, and I'd just go, oh no, that's because of X, or they're a victim, or my mother was, oh, his mother died when he was young, or I had to give them a reason for being pieces of shit, basically. And I did that very well. Victimize them. That was my survival mechanism. They weren't really like that. They were like that because of. And so, and that made it palatable. <laughs> That's insane. But they continue to be very dark entities and I refuse to see them as such. And also, you're wired up with all sorts of mechanisms of self-destruction, of guilt and blame and responsibility. and there's something wrong with you. It's not them, it can never be them, it's always you. <coughs> You're at fault for not seeing the truth of them. So there's a lot, we're stopped from really seeing it because of the, the amount of noise around them not being wrong and you being the child, well you must be inferior, you must, you know, you don't have. Children are the most observant, the smartest, have incredible amounts of critical thinking and smarts about them to survive. You don't need to tell a child anything. It knows exactly. It feels everything. It sees the truth of everything all the time. They are the most intelligent little munchkins and little pieces of divinity. You know, when, you know, when they arrive, they are you know, vibrating pieces of lucid energy. So they see everything. You know, there's no need to say, oh, I'll never, you know, the child doesn't know, the child knows everything. They see everything, they feel everything. They're at that kind of most emotionally open place. So that whole chunk of my life that started with the drowning and ended up with the destruction of a family and divorce and everything, that there were two ends of it. First was the blacking out, then there was eight or nine, the surfacing, and when I surfaced, the transition of finding a mission to make, to put them in, right? To make it palatable and that I had to save them. And I was doing all the stuff to save them, which is really becoming what they wanted and being obedient to their rules and, and following them and making it work for them. But it was all against everything I ever believed. It was not who I was. It was completely a sort of captivity. I was, I was paralyzed from day one, the day this sexual abuse happened. And then I was doing all the stuff, because, you know, and then boom, there was a, 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 again, you're going to be surrounded by the same people that you are when you arrive in hell. There was a final explosion. And I think the explosion was like, okay, you've got to figure out what's going on. Like, how did all this happen? I did everything I was supposed to do. You know, like, what did I do? Well, if you look back, as you didn't do anything other than 
try to make darkness work, trauma work. You try to fit in to the paradigm of shit where you couldn't voice or challenge the shit because you're too small. So you just make a person, you, you build a structure inside of that shit. You make something that can function within an you know, impossible situation, right? You're not going to admit that your dad sexually, that's why people don't remember for years and years and years, your dad sexually abused you or your dad hurt you or beat you up or you're not going to, you know? No, that's deeply hidden within the psyche of little children. They're not going to, they're going to protect them. Or they're going to check out. You know, some people see themselves from, you know, from the ceiling looking down. I, there's all sorts of things that we do. I had a friend who went into the house at, you know, five, came out at seven, doesn't remember anything, you know. I mean, there's just, we black things out that we need to do. To, but they don't go anywhere. That's the whole thing is they actually live in our system. And we cover them with enough stuff. It's like, you know, layers and layers and layers and layers and layers until something terrible happens and I mean you know I had to do 10 years of meditation between before one layer blew up and then ayahuasca just kept you know carpet bombing everything like just blowing it up and I kept seeing more and more and more and more of the truth but my original and, and now it, it's I can literally see the fabric of it I literally can see the darkness I can see the kind of the the monster so to speak Right? But the fact that I could live simultaneously with these truths, that I could live with the memory, with the, with, the, with the sexual abuse and being sent out to be sexual abused in my system, that I could live with the story of making them into something to make them palatable and you know, make them sort of almost deity in a way, that I could live in that irreconcilable equation it's insane. It's, but it's, I'm saying the power of our ability to survive by, you know, turning that volume down and turning that volume up, right? And in a way, when I think about it, it's like, it's, you're not even there. It's, it's literally you, it's like you're a landscape and there are the powers of darkness and the powers of light that are, you know, fighting over your soul. That's what it feels like to me. It's almost like um, it, it's almost like you're not participating. I certainly feel like um, um, yeah, it, it's like it's almost like you've been captured. I mean, I feel like I was captured. And I refuse to see the, f I mean, and I, in a ceremony, it was very clear. I was on the floor, my hands behind my back and this darkness, this kind of huge, um, you know, entity was above me. Um, so, I didn't know that. I had no idea I'd been captured. I had no idea I was, you know, how did it happen? I had no idea, right? And the medicine showed me that ayahuasca. But I had no, again, this is why I think, I, I talk about this and I speak about it a lot, because these are not easy subject matters and it's not part of our, you know, you know, shopping at D'Agostino life, right? It's not, you know, sitting at a computer life, it's a whole different universe that's happening, a whole narrative that's going on, you know, simultaneously along with, you know, with your own life. So you can live in this, that's why the narrative of this other universe dimension is, is staggeringly incredible. Um, in my world, I'm just someone who's trying to design things and, you know, get on with life. But in the real world, in, in this other, not real world, I think actually it's really in this world, but in this other dimension, actually, I'm a captive of darkness. And, and I've agreed to it. And, um, and I have to go back and face it and fight it and remove it. 
and that's the battle. So, you know, um, our stories and our, our lives are much bigger than we imagine them to be. If there's anxiety and there's trauma and there's a lot of hidden underworld stuff, shadow stuff going on, it's, it is the main story, <laughs> you know. My life is not, you know, I was married, I was divorced, I have a child and I do design work. No, my, my real life has been about going to face this fucking demon, basically and this darkness and shedding it and you know fighting it out getting it out of my system i mean that's really ultimate i thought it was like about oh going having my own company and which i do but you know it's like that's the the subscript that's that's really just like the flipping burgers you know it's like i flip burgers for a living i don't i mean i put up walls but it's the same shit like Yes, I make beautiful things, but it's not really, it's, it's, it's really kind of just the, you know, it's, it's the, the topping on the, on the cake, right? It's just the ice cream. It's not, it's, a, it's nothing. I, it, what I'm here to do is basically to deal with this shit, this massive fucking, you know, narrative that's happening on this, uh, in this other plane and I had no idea, absolutely none. Um, and so, how it relates to trauma and to your own anxiety and to your own fear is, I would say, go, you know, go inward. You know, I mean, again, I don't, it's not that everybody's journey is about this thing, but if there's trauma, when there's trauma and there's anxiety and there's the unknowing, it's like you're living outside your home. You're, you've been literally thrown out of, I mean, I've always felt like I'm, you know, looking behind a glass into life. I never actually stepped into life. I've been held back by stuff that I have no, I had no clue that was even here. And Honestly, if I think about connection, my most powerful connection has been, my most honest, authentic connection has been to the ayahuasca and to the Shipibo. You know, they, they literally brought me home, so to speak. And, you know, people say there's witchcraft, there's all sorts of entities. I don't, again, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about witchcraft or entities. I have no, no idea. I'm just talking about my own experience and the narrative that has been shown to me. And that's what I'm saying, you, you know, just be very wary of allowing your ego to get delusional about who you are. I mean, now I don't even know who the fuck I am. I don't, no idea, really. I just know, I mean, I've had a lot of seeing and experiences and, you know, literally 3D, whatever stuff. That, you know, in some other universe, which is a much kind of bigger playing field. Um, but it's affecting this, right? Everything that's happening there is obviously affecting this moment here. And if you have a very big ego, and you know, I, you don't want to say, you'll be like, no, I don't have a big ego. I mean, I remember a friend of mine who was very quiet said, I don't have a big ego, and he had a massive ego. It's just, it was a quiet ego. And egos aren't bad, they're just, they're just armor. They're just protection. But they don't serve you I mean, they serve you at the beginning so you can build, you know, the palatable equation to survive that particular setting. But later on, they need to be dismantled so you can actually, and again, I could only go in with the companionship of the ayahuasca. That's just, there's no, I'm not going to even go to anything else. I just, there's no way I would get be anywhere near this without, I mean, no, I was terrified. With the guidance and the help of the ayahuasca, I've been able to go in and see it all and see this other landscape and see what happened and get that drone-like experience of the aerial view of what was going on. You know, from the beginning, from my father being the predator who chose my mother on the landscape like an animal, to leaving for London, to what he, I mean, I got everything. I had no idea of any of this. I mean, I didn't know anything about their relationship. I had no idea. 
to all the feelings, to all the truths. I mean, it's just like the more and more I confronted it, the bigger the landscape got, the more of an aerial view I got, the more understanding. As, as you go through the process of feeling all the feelings, of unearthing the, you know, the, 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 the truths, I mean, and they're difficult, the rage, the hate, everything. You'll get, you get through them and then it's gone, it's over, and then it's on to the next you know, wall that you need to knock down. Again, guided by the ayahuasca, guided by these great guides, you know, the support of you know, tremendous um, spirits, etc., in some other dimension. I still go to work, I still put up walls, I still drink coffee, Starbucks, you know, I still want my chai latte. You know, it doesn't, it, one isn't like, you know, one doesn't remove the other, one doesn't cancel the other out. They can both, like in your brain, you can live with the shadow and with the truth. You know, there are, you can live in simultaneous realities of this and that narrative that's happening on some other playing field, right? But I never knew. I never knew any of this. I never knew any of this, I, you know, because I was fully in. And I, I reconciled the irreconcilable and made it work. But it would never work. Zero plus zero equals zero, right? Which was my big mistake. I thought that I could somehow make zero plus zero equals one. I did for a while until it went back to zero. So, you know, we have no idea how powerful we are. We have no fucking idea. And we don't because we are basically evicted. If you're in trauma, you've been evicted. You have no access to your power because it's been stolen by the injury early on. If you are willing to go into that injury via whatever vehicle, and I'm not talking via another human being because honestly I think we're all limited. I am as limited as you are. You know, there's, you know there are, as Einstein says, you have to leave the paradigm to get into the paradigm. So, so if you've been locked out, if you've been left behind the line, if you've been locked, you know, left, evicted from your soul, and it might have been something you know about or something you don't know about early on, some massive traumatic event. It doesn't actually have to be that big. It can... It, it means a lot to a child. Little things are huge for children, like massive. So to an adult, it might be, oh, yeah, it's just that. But to a child, it's like, oh, my God, it's a fucking the next meteor hitting. Um, you, you just need to go back in. I don't know how to say that. It's another, there's no other way of saying it. It's just like it's, you have to walk home. I call it walking home. It's just you just have to get up and go back. And most of your ego will say, no, we're not going back. I've built this whole ego, so we never go back. So we're protected from the truth. So we'll never go into that darkness. But you are in the most unsafe place. You think the dark is safe? No. Is unsafe? No. The dark is the safest place. Where it's unsafe is when you know nothing. I was in the most unsafe place by knowing nothing. I thought I had it under control, but actually I was in the most precarious terrifying place because unless I actually went in and saw who I truly was and was able to accept all the injury I would still be in delusional la-la land right and that is an unsafe place to be when you're literally you know building your castles out of sand every day you know to have your if you go into the dark you get to have your feet squarely on the ground you get to see the truth. You can then shed who you are and actually return to your center. If you're still in the, you know, conflict about who you are stage, it's unsafe. It's always going to be a conflict. And you're outside your home and there's no way to resolve anything outside your home. You can't resolve it. You'll never be fat enough, thin enough, pink enough, yellow enough, blonde enough, whatever enough. It will never happen. The conflict keeps you outside your home. The conflict keeps you on the periphery of your land. The conflict keeps you in prison. You have to keep going into that conflict, going into the questioning. Don't, you know, as I said, don't blame anyone. There's no one to blame outside. Yes, early on, you can point fingers and say, well, it happened because of this. But if you're an adult <clears throat> and you're in anxious and you're in trauma, and again, I speak about very easily. It's been a very long journey. It's been complex. It's been yuck, 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 whatever. <coughs> but you, and only you, 
have the power of the universe within you to go in to ask for help from guides, from, you know, through whatever the plant medicine, whatever, you can go in and ask for help to bring you home to the scene of the crime. And it will bring you, whether you like it or not, you know. And that is the safety. The safety is the knowing. If I know, I can make decisions. I can't make decisions if I have a whole fucking continent of sewage that's navigating my every breath, that owns me. If I know the narrative that, you know, you've been whatever, in my case, taken by this monstrosity and held captive and made subservient to it, then I, then I have, okay, now I have a reality. I, you know, I know I was taken out to be sexual abused, I blacked up, blah, blah. I know, that, I know now I can see the whole aerial landscape. I can make decisions. I can now finally, once the ego's collapse, oh, I see the truth of like, this is really where I am in life. I could never see that before, right? So you have to trust your own power. I know it's a very difficult thing to say and because this ego has built this, you know, tons of, you know, impossible situations and it feels scarred and it feels wrong. But if you get beyond all that noise and, you know, you can do in meditation or ayahuasca, ayahuasca, It'll just, you know, it will just tear all that shit out of you. And then is when it gets truthful. And that's when it gets scary. And that's when you get to see it, the truth. And because what you don't really, that's what the ego does. It doesn't want you to feel the anger, the rage. It doesn't want you to see what happened. It doesn't want you to make them wrong. You need to live with guilt and all this stuff. So it keeps you outside. It keeps you constantly evicted. It's like treading water for the rest of your fucking life on quicksand. You will always be on the verge of disappearing. That's why the conflict is there. Right? So go in. Go in. It's easy to say. It's a shitload of work. It sucks. Yeah, but, you know, you can go in and you can live simultaneously in the same way that we can simultaneously keep a shadow and keep our regular selves and not know about the shadow with plant medicines, with meditation, with bunch, I'm sure there's tons of other things out there, I don't know what they are, that can take you in. But another human being is not gonna get me there, it's just not, can't. It has its own limitations, it's, or, it's already its own code, it's already its own stuff, it's already been built. You've got to get to the place where there's zero, right? To the place of divinity where it starts at zero where light can illuminate through which there is no filter. Every, we all have filters, we all have our versions, we all live in a relative universe, relative to how we've been built, to who was built us. We, I can't possibly see your life, it's impossible. I may see a little bit, but I can't possibly penetrate these layers. I can't possibly get into that aerial landscape. There's no way, I can't. We're all filtered up by our own experiences. Yes, somebody get, you know, can get a little understanding of crap, but you have to re-experience, you have to go back, you actually have to relive the full, full-blown emotional, physical, intellectual experience of whatever it is that happened to you in that trauma. No one can do it for me, I can, for you. No one can live what I, no one, no one can. I can't send someone else. In fact, it's very funny because in the, one of the first breaks in my energy field, this monster was in the attic, I said, you know, send my cousins to go fix it. I don't want to go in there. And it was like the, the monster just devoured them. You have to go in. I did not want to go in. I did not want to go into this whole fucking jungle of shit. Believe you me, I, it's the furthest thing away from my mind. That's why I was so far, I, you know, traveled halfway across the world to get the fuck away from it. But basically said, if you don't go in, it owns you. All right, you've, you've been hiding from it, you've been running from it, go face it. So in the same way, I said you go face it because your power is tremendous. Your power is, you are the universe. You are, you know, the black holes and the, the silver dollar at the bottom of the ocean. You are the whales and the horses and the tree. You're every, we're all it. We all have this immense power within us. Unfortunately, it's been reduced because we continuously give it away. We continuously hemorrhage it. So go face whatever it is. You need to face the trauma, 
because you can overcome it if you're willing to go say hello to it. So trust, trust the universe, trust yourself. Take the, you know, take all your kind of, um, what's the word? Your training wheels away, little by little if you have to, whatever it works. But trust that you come from source. And if you're coming from source, you are source. You have all that power to return there. Don't let anyone shrink and shrivel and take your life force. Don't believe anyone that wants to take it from you or can, you can resolve it, you know, resolve it for you. They, no one can. Only you, because you are ultimately divinity. Bye. <laughs>